Now I'm going to start reading at verse 9, but I'm, I'm going to teach from verses 12 through 17. Is that all right? So I'm going to get these first verses out of the way so you can get to 12. It says, as the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will, be, uh, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Now that's the preface. That's how he sets it up. Now here's the lesson. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has this than to uh, lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. I've got to read that one one more time. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all things that I've heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. Uh, by the way, if anybody wants to know, last time we talked about purpose, this is, how, this is what purpose is right here. Verse 16, you can write purpose beside that. You can study it on your leisure. But it says this in verse uh, 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. This is your purpose. That whatever you ask in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you that you love one another. Again, notice verse 12. This is my commandment that you what? And verse 17 frames it by saying, Wow, I think he might want us to love each other. I want to give you this thought today. What kind of friend are you? One more time. What, what kind of friend are you? Hmm? See, the question we always ask of somebody else, I thought you were my friend. But the question we should be asking, what, what kind of friend are you? Let's look to God this morning. Lord God, we thank you. We praise you for your presence in this place. We thank you for the outpouring of your Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you right now for the authority you have given us over the adversary. Satan, we bind you right now in the name of Jesus. We know that whenever the subject of love comes up, you want to interfere so that people will not receive. But in the name of Jesus, I bind you right now every thought every idea that you try to invoke and stop 
I bind it now in the name of Jesus. The people of God who are in agreement with me stand with me and say, Satan, you are bound. I rebuke you now and you must flee. So, Father, we thank you right now for the things that you're doing in our lives, for the word that's being ministered, and for those who are ministering the word around the world. God, add a blessing to their words in Jesus' name. Amen. Ah, you can be seated. Now, you might wonder why I decided to do that in the middle. I didn't decide. <laughs> but, but the problem is, is that whenever you start to talk about loving one another, the first thing that happens is that the enemy comes in, and you, you, you have a picture mentally of all the people you don't like. Amen. Come on. And we have the hardest time trying to hear a message about love when we don't even like each other. But we're going to change that today. We're going to change it. And why am I going to change that? Well, because I want you to understand a couple of things. The first thing I want you to understand is that most of us have a lot of acquaintances, but we have very few friends. Huh? And some of our friends may prove to be unfriendly and even unfaithful. Uh, you know, you see, some of you all remember your closest friend who you don't even speak to anymore? Mm. Wow. Now, of course, Jesus was no exception. He had a Judas. I don't know if you remember the story in Matthew chapter 26, but what you'll find there uh, is that when Jesus was being arrested, he greeted Judas with these words. He says, friend, why have you come? He called Judas his what? Friend. And then in Psalms 41, let me show you something that David went through. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to Psalms 41. I just want to take a moment to show you this. Because most of us uh, believe that uh, uh, our friends are always going to be there. See, this is why you need a Jesus. <clears throat> are y'all still here? Psalms 41. Now, David was going through something. And the, re the thing that go David was going through, when people say David was going through something, well, now let's, let's be on our best game today, okay? We remember scripture. David was going through something because David did something. Amen. Come on, tell your neighbor, David was going through something because David did something. Now this is for you. If you're going through something, it's probably, uh, just so we clear, <laughs> You, <laughs> you probably did something. Now, I know you don't remember it now because you saved, sanctified, Holy Ghost filled, and you know you, you know you never did anything wrong, living right at the foot of the cross, huh? Bible-toting, scripture-quoting, speaking in tongues as the Spirit gives utterance. You good right now, but you probably did something. David did. And David said this, Blessed is he who considers the poor, the Lord will deliver him in a time of trouble. The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive, but, uh, and he will be blessed in the earth. You will not deliver him to the will of his enemies. Now, David prefaced this, and then he goes on to say this. Verse 4, I said to the Lord, be merciful to me. Heal my soul. David wasn't sick in his body. His problem was with his soul. Are y'all still with me? He says, for I have sinned against you. Is, is that in your Bible? 
See, so when you start to talk about what you're going through, why is this happening to me? I don't understand it. Well, you sinned against God, and now your soul is in dire straits. I like that phrase. Verse 5 says, my enemies speak evil of me. <laughs> and watch what they say. When will he die? Now, now, wait a minute. Y'all look at me strange, but see, you know what? You've seen people that did something to you, and you were not happy with what they did. So you started to talk about them. And the more you talked about them, the better they got. And you keep saying, well, when's something going to happen to them? Oh, wrong. wrong. Oh, okay. All right. I'll just talk to myself then because, see, I know what the truth is. All these people, they say they don't know nothing about, you know, having no jealousy or spite or envy. I know y'all don't. I've been there, done that. All right. And look at verse six. And if he if he comes to see me, he speaks lies. What? Really? His heart gathers iniquity to himself. When he goes out, he tells it. Well, I went to see Brother Soas. Boy, he sure looked bad. I, I figured he's going to die any minute now. Again, though, y'all don't know nothing about this. Verse 7 says, All who hate me whisper together against me. Now, I'm coming up your street right now. I'm going to be in your neighborhood any minute. Y'all understand this? <laughs> Against me, they devise my hurt. Never happened to you, huh? And evil disease, they say, clings to him. Boy, he's sick. He's really sick. And now he lies down. He will rise up no more. See, we like the idea that when we get somebody down, Let's just keep them down. Amen. But then look at verse nine. It says, even my own familiar friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heels against me. You ever had a friend that sat at your table, ate your food, huh? And then went out and talked about you? Oh, no, that, nobody, that. Here's the key word here. He said, a friend that I trusted. And most of us don't understand the word trust. I'm off. I need to get back on, right? I'm, I'm willing just a minute. But we trust people. Because we believe in those people. But Proverbs chapter 3 says this. In verse 5. It says, trust. Who? In the Lord. And lean. But we trust who? People. So we get hurt because we trusted. Who is it that trusted God and got hurt? 
So the preacher says, if you've been hurt today, it's because you put your trust in the wrong place. I know you can put a name to that trust, but it's the wrong name. See, because the word trust and the word faith are the same word in the New Testament. Are you listening to me? And what you need to understand is that when you get to that word, pistio, which is the same word as faith, the problem we have is that we don't know what the opposite of that word is, and the opposite is not uh, not trusting or unbelief, it's worry. If you don't trust, you'll always worry. If you don't trust God for something, you'll always worry about whether it can happen. If you don't trust God, you won't, you won't believe him. See, you have to trust to be able to be worry-free. If I know that God has promised me something, I don't have to worry about it. I just need to receive it. I put my confidence in that word, not in the worder. Amen. Are y'all still with me? All right. It has absolutely nothing to do with today's lesson. <laughs> Except David was having a problem with his friend. And I'm talking about friends. All right. Now, remember that uh, Peter, James, and John went to sleep in the garden when Jesus asked them to sit and watch. Y'all remember that? Uh, you also remember that uh, Peter denied him three times. All these are people who were his friends and people. As a matter of fact, John was always referred to as the beloved. This was John, uh, Jesus's, uh, uh, what y'all call him, ace buddy. So the Bible is very clear. Our friendship to each other and to the Lord is not perfect, but. His friendship to us is always perfect. Now, the Bible teaches us that when God calls us his friends, then that relationship never changes. But on our side, it's always conditional. Amen? So when we interpret the word friend, and the word is, is uh, uh, philoi, which is where the word phileo comes from, where we get our word Philadelphia, which is brotherly love, the Bible says that that word philos, which is friendship, I know it's a lot of words, but they all mean the same thing. Uh, and it's used in a limited way because it always refers to an inner circle. Jesus had his inner circle. We have our inner circle. We have people that we're always close to. I'm going to miss this opportunity. Your inner circle uh, represents biblically those who are close to the king, those who are around the king. Jesus calls these people his friends because the Bible says that he reveals everything he knows to them. Now, it's hard on a day like today 2019 to talk about master-slave relationships. But if you understand that what Jesus, when he used the term servant or slave in uh, King James, he used the term doulos. Doulos. A doulos is a bond servant. 
In other words, uh, if you if you are a doulos, you can leave if you choose to do so. All right. Uh, let me see here. Let me do some TV here because y'all relate to TV. Uh, what is that show that James Spader is on? Blacklist, the blacklist, y'all, y'all, huh, y'all all, now, 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 don't, don't go too far away because your minds are wander here, <laughs> but I want to show you a relationship, uh, James Spader, what's his character, Redding, and the other one is Dembe, that relationship, is an example of where the friend knows everything about the other one. Now, here's a little clue, y'all, when it comes to friendship. You can't be my friend if you don't know me. And in order to be my friend, you have to know everything about, no, y'all wait a minute now. Come on, let me, let me tell you something. In order to be my friend, you have to know everything about me. Why? Because you will not be able to support me if you don't know the whole truth. Amen. Amen. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on now. I said we have a lot of acquaintances, but we don't have many friends. Amen. See, if I have a friend, that friend knows not only what I'm going through, but exactly what I'm thinking. Yes. Amen. Hmm? If you have a real friend, they'll stop you when they see that look in your eye. Huh? You know how <laughs> you know how when you see your ex with somebody else? <laughs> huh? And a good friend will stop you from pulling off your earrings. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Good friend is not one who will hold your wig for you. That ain't. <laughs> that ain't. <laughs> 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 but my point. My point is, is that if you have a friend, the friend knows you intimately. If you notice uh, in John chapter 14, verse 26, the Bible says that when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to tell you everything. And the Bible says the Holy Spirit will then remind you of what he told you. So that means that if I'm your friend, I know everything. So then when I see that look in your eyes, I'm reminded of when I saw that look before. So I need to say, now don't even go there. Because I know, because I'm your friend. Oh, y'all. So when the king has this inner circle, now just listen to me for a moment, because this is so important, especially in the time we're living today, because of the way the politics of America is running right now. Uh, see, the friend of the king is the one that sees him first thing in the morning. Now, he's a servant. So when the king arises, he's the one that helps him out of bed. 
Huh? He's the one that helps him to the bathroom. And all day long, he's right there. When the king needs something, he looks at him and he gets it for him. At the end of the day, he's the one that gives the king his pajamas. Whatever. Puts him to bed. When the king is about to go to sleep, who's he going to confide in just before he goes to sleep? That friend. You know, today we did so and so and so, and I tell you, I just, I didn't feel good about that. He's going to tell. So the servant or the friend of the king knows everything. But you can only be a good friend if you know everything. You can't be a good friend if you only have a part of the information. Now, I say that because 99% of us have friends that we don't know nothing about. They're just people we like. Are y'all still listening? Mm. <laughs> so the Bible then says this. It says that a friend can only be a friend if that friend is willing to obey the other friend. Friends never say this to friends. You can't tell me what to do. Because if you're my friend, I expect you to tell me what to do. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm. Do you all understand any of this? Okay, well, let me see if I can help you a little bit. The Bible teaches us this, that if there is an abiding relationship, which is what John 15 talks about, then there must be an obedience. You can't have an abiding relationship. Look at uh, uh, John 15. The, the way that John 15 uh, begins, it's about the relationship to the branch and the vine. Y'all understand this? See, it's the, it's the relationship between the branch and the vine. If at any point in time the vine is not in complete, constant fellowship with the branch, then the, the vine will wither and drop away. If at any point in time you and your friend can't be in constant agreement, then the friendship's going to drop away. Y'all still with me? Okay. Friends ain't looking so good right now. No, you need friends. We all need friends, okay? We, we got to have friends, all right? The friends of the king can never compete with each other for the king's attention. This is why, listen, this is why the disciples had such a big problem. They couldn't hear what Jesus was trying to teach them because they were too busy trying to decide who's going to take over. Amen. Now, I've had a little bit of experience in this arena. But I digress. <laughs> the Bible says 
He who is the greatest among you, let him be your what? Servant. That, see, that's what the script. He who is going to be the greatest, let him be your servant. See, I expect that the people that grow up in this church and become great men and women of God are people who are always going to be around me and always going to be there for me. Not because I'm great, but because their service is great. Yep. You do understand that? So then the question comes, and here's what it comes from. Now, this only happens in ethnic circles. <laughs> I'm joking, but I need to tell you. We're the only ones that would say, well, how can he command somebody to love? What kind of God can command you? He can't command your feelings because love ain't about. He didn't command your feelings. He commands your obedience. Are we still here? So you're saying that God can actually control my feelings? Sure he can. Well, Pastor, I don't see how he can do that. He said a new commandment I give you, not a suggestion. This is a commandment. I'm the king. I'm giving an order. Love. Well, hold it now. Wait a minute. But some people are not lovable. Is that right? Well, he didn't command them. Uh-oh. I said he didn't command them. He commanded you. He's talking to his inner circle. Are we, are we back now? He's talking to those people who are his friends. Those people who know him intimately. And he says to you, I got something for you, love. Well, if my feelings ain't in it, pastor, how am I going to love somebody? Come on now. Come on. You do it 40 hours a week. <laughs> ain't no feelings in that. Well, no, no, no. Now, am I right? See, that, that's why I say we like to be religious when we, listen, when we don't want to do something. So now the Bible says we're commanded to love. So wait a minute now, Pastor. It's got to be more than that. You're going to have to help me with this because some people I just ain't going to love. Well, that's fine. You don't have to love them, but you can be disobedient. Big people do it every day. They can disobey. Listen. Here's what John says this in chapter 13, verse 34. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you. Now, this is the same thing he starts in chapter 15. He says, the way that we love is as he loved us. The way that we love one another is as. It's always as. It's, it's like. It's like he loved us. That's, that's how we love. We love the way he loved us. But wait a minute, that's still a command, and you're making me feel something that I don't feel. And that's what we, that's what we run into a situation. I feel uh, uh, that, that that person doesn't love me, so therefore I will not feel 
uh, love for them. Now, write this in your notes. Remember this the longest day you live. Amen. If we practice love, feelings will follow. You hear what I just said? If we practice being lovable, feelings will follow. Let's try this on married people. All right? And the reason I say try it on married people because they already promised to love. They made a promise. They made a promise. Now, all married people don't wake up in the morning and say, good morning, honey, how are you? How'd you sleep last night? Why don't they do that? They should. I'm just saying. <laughs> but they don't. Because life happens and we quit practicing what we know. So you and, and I'm gonna put this on the I'm gonna put this on the husband, all right? I'm just gonna put it on the husband. So he's grouchy. So you say, Good morning, honey, how was the night? But you care. You know. Huh? I'm just trying to make a point now. I'm just, just trying to make a point. But what if you continue to practice being lovable? Good morning, huh? Would you like a cup of coffee? No. Tomorrow. Good morning, huh? Would you like a cup of coffee? Told you I ain't want no coffee. <laughs> Next day. Good morning, huh? I got your coffee right here. All right. <laughs> but you keep practicing. You keep practicing. After a while, good morning, honey. What would you like? All this, this kindness starts to rub off. And guess what you find yourself doing? Like an old grouch. Why do you like him? He hadn't changed. You like him because you like being lovable. Why? Because you are commanded to love and you're obedient to Christ. And Christ says you got to love him. Well, pastor, you just said love ain't about feeling. Ain't that feeling? No. Love ain't about how you feel about him. It is about how you feel about God. Are y'all still with me? So married folks, since y'all already made the promise, Maybe you ought to try walking it out. What would you like for dinner? <laughs> That's when you know it's love. <laughs> In the Hall of Fame, that's going to be one of the, the, the statements <laughs> that's going to go down in history as the one that nobody ever heard. Honey, what would you like for dinner? What? <laughs> Are y'all still with me? 
So the Bible says this. It says, <laughs> love is an act of our will, and the proof of our love is not in our feelings, but in our actions. What do I do to prove that I love you? Amen? Now, in verse 16, here's what the Bible says. And I said that this verse 16 is, is, is purpose. And, and, and this is the one that I love because the Bible says, you did not choose me. You didn't choose me. See, the one thing that we seem to forget is that God chose us before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and that we ought to love him and love one another. Now, when God made that choice, here's what he said. He said that I'm going to send Jesus, I'm going to send Jesus to make another choice. His choice is to die for you. And why is he dying for you? Why is he dying for you? Why is he going to the cross? He is dying for you so you can have the right to make a choice. Now, to all of my veterans out here today, this is why we signed up, right? You made a choice to go and serve so that those people who didn't like you, didn't know you, and probably won't give you the respect that you deserve when you come back, you went so that they could have a choice to not like you. Happy Memorial Day. Now listen to me very carefully. Jesus said, I'm dying so you can have a choice. So I made the first choice. I'm going to die for you. Now you have to make the second choice. I died so that you will have the right to choose or reject me. And Jesus said, I'm going I'm to do this for you because I love you. Now, if I were to paraphrase that, Jesus would say this. I love my daddy enough to do this for him. And you are the collateral <laughs> recipients of my love. But he says, I'm going to obey dad and I'm going to do what he called me to do. And therefore, you get the privilege of making a choice to accept or reject my love. That's why he says, as, as I have loved you. And how did I love you? I love you to the grave. I love you so much that I was willing to die for you. Romans 5 and 6 says that, you know what? That while we were yet sinners, while we were yet sinners. See, every one of you who are sitting here today is you're here by choice. You're sitting here by choice. Some, some of you, you know, by constraint, but because <laughs> somebody said you better, but 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 nevertheless, <laughs> you still had to choose. Now, the fact of the matter is, whether you get anything out of what we're saying to you, that's the other choice. Amen. See, Christ provided a platform where you could receive from Him. Now, you can make a choice whether you take whatever I say and put it in the trash can, or you could take it and put it in your heart and use it. Amen? So, here's what the Bible says. We do not need to feel love for everyone. What? 
No. Mm -mm. Some people will be difficult to love. You can tell the ones that are going to be difficult to love. They're the ones that are talking all the time. But we're still commanded to act lovingly toward believers. When I say talking all the time, you know what they're always saying. Well, I don't see why I'm you don't you know, you know what I'm talking about. Amen. So there are three principles I want to share with you, and I'm going to be through here. The first one is the principle of sacrifice. The principle of sacrifice. Genuine friendship and love requires a sacrifice. That's why he says it's a new commandment. Uh, the new commandment, the, in, in the new commandment, the idea of sacrifice is found in the phrase, as I have loved you. In other words, he said, I gave my life for you. So that was a sacrifice. Friendship thrives on sacrifice. Let me tell you what, why most friendships don't endure. It's because people reach a point where some, 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 part, some party in the relationship says, well, I ain't going to do that. And that's where the friendship ends. So it wasn't really much of a friendship, was it? Okay. There was no sacrifice. Yep. Uh, okay. All right. So then in, in verse 14, he says, you are my friends if you do what I command. So the Bible says that, 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 that this, is, this is obedience. He says, you, you are my friend if you do. You are my friend if you do. You're not my friend if I can't count on you. Okay? So, so the Bible says here then you must have, this is the second principle, a mutuality of heart. In other words, I must think like you think, act like you act. That's what friends do. Y'all say, well, no, they don't. Look around you. All the friends are dressed alike. They are. All the friends are doing exactly the same thing. All the friends are sleeping <laughs> doing this message. <laughs> Leaning on each other. <laughs> or talking. Or moving. I mean, this is what happens in church. All the friends do. You would never do some of the stuff you do in church if you were by yourself. Uh, Hezekiah, I can talk to you. I don't want them hurting me later on. If you come to church by yourself, First Baptist, I'm just going to pick a church. You ain't going to get up and move around. You ain't going to talk to nobody. You ain't going to get up and go bathroom, bathroom, bathroom. You ain't going to do none of that because you by yourself. You sit there and you listen to the preacher. And you, at the appropriate time, you might take a break, you know, if they say stand up and you run to the bathroom. But if you get a friend with you, Come on, tell the preacher. You're right about it, preacher. I, I know that. Because I talk in church when I'm with somebody. I <laughs> and y'all don't have to agree so loudly. So if, if the preacher talks, I know y'all going to do it. Amen. Amen. But the difference, never mind, go on. There ain't no difference. Mutuality of, of uh, heart. 
So this second principle says that Jesus' friends must obey him because they share the same outlook and goal. In other words, he's saying the mutuality of heart is that we share the same purpose. We share the same purpose. Close friends agree in heart. Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 and 20. Here's what the Bible says about that. It says, but I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly that I also may be encouraged when uh, I hear of your state. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. If we are friends, we care about the same things. We care about the same thing. That's why you should choose friends that choose God. Because if your friends are... Uh, uh, unbelievers, I started to say atheists, but anyway, here's what Paul says. P people who are one souled of the same soul. Now, he didn't say like spirited, he said like soul. Let me tell you why when he said like minded. The reason he said one soul is because uh, he's talking about the, the natural man. I can't choose friends just because we agree spiritually. We still may not like each other. Huh? You could be Baptist, I could be Methodist. We can still fight. But if we have the same value system and we share the same ideas, we have the same uh, uh, environmental background we share on a different level so you can be Baptist I can be Method and we all agree on Jesus you, you understand what I'm saying one soul are y'all still okay alright and the third one is the principle of promotion principle of promotion when he says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, that's promotion. I know you don't know that. When he said, I chose you and appointed you, that's promotion. You were lifted from the state that you were in, a sinner on your way to hell, about to die. He said, I chose you, and then I appointed you. And he said that you could bear fruit, and that the fruit that, that you bear is going to remain. So you find that in that verse, you find not only your purpose for being here, but he says, in addition to that, once I give you your purpose, you're going to have it for life, and that's why your fruit's going to remain. And see, the one issue, and I just want to do a, a quick commercial for purpose, the reason that people don't identify their purpose is because you think it's about you when it's about Christ and it's about what he wants for his kingdom. So he may use you in such a way. Anybody ever bought somebody to church and then that person got in church and outgrew you? And now you feel rained on because that person got promoted and you still in the pew? Y'all, y'all don't know about that. Okay, when you go home, study Andrew. Huh? Yeah. It's an Andrew ministry. You bring people to church. You, bring, you present people to Christ, but you don't do that. That's your, that's your assignment. You don't get no glory whatsoever. What's the word of the book of Andrew? 
There ain't one. That's right. Ain't even a chapter devoted to him. Are y'all following what I'm saying? See, when, when your purpose is recognized, you shouldn't be trying to get any glory for you. People won't even know your name. But your name is supposed to be uh, uh, written in the book of uh, the Lamb's book of life, not here on earth. Ain't no role up here that's going to get you in heaven. Hmm. Okay. That stung just a little bit, didn't it? Ain't nobody going to give me no credit for what I do. No. No. How long scripture says, when you have done what you were commanded. God said, you did good. That's all there is. That's all there is. It's not about how you feel. That's only right, man. Deacon Wallace, everybody talk about Deacon Wallace. Everybody love Deacon Wallace. I, I bought him to church. <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying? I'm just saying. Friends rejoice in each other's success. That's what friends do. Amen. All right. Going to the last page. <laughs> Don't mean nothing. Okay. But, but I'm getting over there anyway. So the love that our God commands is agape, which begins with the mind and the will. When we talk about the love of God, it must be that kind of love that passes our understanding. It's the kind of love that doesn't require us to feel anything. Amen. But the other part lies in the context which Jesus uses these words. Here's what he says. He says uh, it's the concept of abiding. Look at verse 7 here of the scripture and, and, and today. It says if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask what, uh, what you desire and it shall be done for you. So Verse 9 frames that by saying this, uh, as the Father has loved me, I also have loved you, abide in my love. So what did he say? He said, if you love me, then you'll remain in my love. And if you remain in my love, then whatever you need, you can ask it because the relationship between you and me is the same as my relationship with the Father. Are y'all with me? So if I abide in his love as he loved me, then I can ask him to ask his daddy to give me what I need. Ain't that what children do, huh? They want something, but they don't know how to get it. Huh? And y'all see children playing, right? And they want something. So, 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 so little Jasmine friends would be playing and they say, well, uh, we need some Kool-Aid. Jasmine, go ask your dad if he makes some Kool-Aid. <laughs> what he is going to do? Make some Kool-Aid. He don't want to. He busy. But it's who asking. It's, y'all, 
That's what abiding love is. I stay in his love so that he stays in the father's love so that when I ask something, he say, oh, Dad, can you get him some Kool-Aid? Amen. Amen. Are y'all with me here? <laughs> I skipped some of this. Oh, I'm going to give you this though. As we abide, we will love the unlovely. <laughs> the more I stay in his love, the more I learn how to love people that I couldn't love before. Ah. I'm out of time already. God, that's fast. Listen, listen, listen. Abiding in love, let's use this word, I can shorten it, experience. Experience. I know something about Christ, but I don't know what I, what I, all I need to know. So there's some folks that I really don't care much for, but I know that the Lord commanded me to love them. So I have to love them, right? But I don't know how. Lord, you got to help me with this. I don't, I, I don't know. So guess what he does? Puts me in a situation. Come on. Well, I got to love somebody that I really don't want to love. And that love proves to be effective for my life. Then I know, you know what? I can love even this kind of person. See, it's the abiding. I stay right here. Lord, I, I really don't want to be bothered with them, but I'm going to stay right here anyway. Come on, they get on my last nerve, but I'm going to stay right here. Yeah, y'all, come on now, because y'all act like y'all ain't never lived none. You don't know nothing about what I'm talking about. No, no, no. That person that just kind of digs in there, you know, like I got an open wound and they just. That's my fertilizer. That's that's my fertilizer. That's how I grow. That's how I grow. Does it hurt? Yes. Because my first thought is, my first thought, and come on now, y'all act like you don't think like this. My first thought is, forget you. Yes, Amen. I ain't had enough of you. Amen. That's my first thought. Amen. But that's not what he said. He said, no, you abide in me. Abide means to stay there forever. Amen. You ought to have at least one friend that you ain't seen in 25 years, that you can pick up the phone, call him, and say, I need $100. And tomorrow morning, the FedEx man <laughs> will be there with the envelope. Huh? Nowadays, I tell you what, well, my wife ordered some books. I never seen anything like this. She ordered some books on Amazon, and it came the same day. Yep, I ain't believe it either. The text said, be there at 3 o'clock this afternoon. I said, I don't believe that. It was about what, 8 or 9 o'clock in the morning then? 3 o'clock, that was ding dong, ding dong. <laughs> Yeah. 
if Amazon <laughs> can deliver in the same day. All right, I'm out of time, so I'm going to close this out. Come on, music folks. Y'all, come on up. I'm going I'm, I'm, I'm to close this out. Uh, I told y'all on Friday, I saw how many closings Jesus had. So. <laughs> so here's the question. What kind of relationship do you have with Jesus? Is it that you are a reluctant servant or an intimate friend? Are you one of those people that uh, you pray and you ask God to do something and then when he doesn't do it, you figure out another way to get it done? Mm. Mm. Here's some questions you need to ask yourself. Do you do what he commands you? Do, do you do it? Do, when he says love, do you love? When he says give, do you give? When he says serve, do you serve? Do you know what he wants you to do? Well, you can't do any of that if you don't know. Do you know what he wants you to do? How many of you actually know what he wants you to do? The one thing you know beyond any shadow of a doubt, if you're saved, if you're born again, you know how to love. Because John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You could never, ever confess Jesus as Lord if you didn't know anything about love. So when he says, a new commandment I give you, the first lesson you learn about salvation is that Jesus loves me. You tell the truth, Jesus loves me, this I know. Why? Because the Bible says so. Simple. So we know love. Do you know what he wants you to do? And the third question is this. Do you know how Jesus thinks? Do you know how Jesus thinks? What, what, what would Jesus think? Well, he thinks that he loves you so much that he's willing to overlook a multitude of faults because that's what love does. I'm not looking at the you that's in the flesh, but I'm looking at the you that God says you can be. So I think that I need to work with you till you become what the Lord says you're supposed to be. I'm not giving up on you, but I'm going to hang in there with you. Come on, is this the kind of friend you want? Huh? So the Bible says this, in order to be his friend, you cannot do this apart from knowing what he says, knowing his word. And this is a problem for us is knowing his word. We don't know the word of God. We paraphrase, we leave out stuff. That's what the Bible says, don't be leaving out one letter. But we say stuff that's non-scripture. You know, if you take one step, I'll take two and all that kind of craziness. We don't know his word. So the Bible makes it clear here that friends relate and commune with each other and share and respond to each other. If you are my friend, if you are my friend, you would never expect anything but the best from me and you would not listen you would not accept anything other than the best for me 
So when people start to talk about what they can't do, what they don't have, what they don't know, they don't have any friends. So I'm going to take a page from Mr. Rogers on TV. Won't you be my neighbor? That term is synonymous to friend. If you look at it, look at it seriously. Won't you be my neighbor? So we're going to sing a song real fast. 